I had a grand plan uh, this morning. I was going to talk about the Toronto Raptors and how they won the NBA championship. And here's the thing. Uh, yesterday, I woke up and Kawhi Leonard had signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. And I was like, forget this. I'm not talking about that at all. For, for, forget that. I'm not doing that. So we're not doing that. So I had to, I, yeah, I'm a little heartbroken. But listen, as I said to friends of mine, players come and go. But banners will hang in the Scotiabank Arena forever, right? So we'll always be champions. And guys, like you had to understand, I had a grand plan. I was going to come out here with my belt and just be like, well, I'm a champion because the Raptors are champions. And my wife was like, if you wear that on stage, you, I will never allow you to talk to me again. That's, what, that's pretty much that's what she said. She didn't say that. My wife would never say that to me. She loves me, right? Um, so yeah, so we're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, let's read a verse. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I'm going to stop right there because I know what some of you are thinking. I have been, some, for those of you who have been in church for a long time, you have heard this verse multiple times. You probably have heard it preached the same way multiple times as well. Because preachers, we tend to think the same. No matter how different we are, we see this and we're going to be like, yeah, we're going to talk about worrying and praying. But I'm going to focus on that, those last three words, four words, five words, six words, seven words. <laughs> Thank him for all he has done. For all he has done. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word that is all powerful. Father God, I thank you so much for your word that pierces the hearts of mankind. And I pray in the next few moments that you would be with us, that your spirit would rest upon us in this place. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. You know, for those of you who don't know me well enough, uh, and that could be a lot of you, I'm Stefan. I am a wrestling fan. I know, look at me weird if you want. Oh, it's fake. Well, you know what else is fake? The movies we waste money on, those are fake. So guess what? Ha! All right? You know what else is fake? The soap operas that we watch from 12 to 5 o'clock, those are fake. So ha! Don't hate me, all right? Just saying. Wrestling, I love wrestling. I grew up watching wrestling. You know, the days of Hulk Hogan, what you gonna do, brother? And the macho man, Randy Savage, and the ultimate warrior, guys like that. And then, you know, the icon Sting and Rick, the nature boy, Flair, who would walk around and, you know, we had people like, the, oh, I can't do Stone Cold Steve Austin in church. That would get me in. No, we, we had Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had The Rock, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. And now he's like the biggest star in all of movies. Uh, we have guys like that. And, you know, the thing about wrestling that is really cool, uh, besides the fact that you could walk down stage and have pyro shooting out, that's my ultimate dream, just to walk down stage and have like fireworks, pew, pew, pew. I would love to have that. I don't really want to get hit because all I really have is this face. And if this goes, and I don't really, I don't know what else I've got going for me. Um, but, you know, in wrestling, as in boxing, as in UFC, they're all fighting for something. And it's a championship belt. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't bring it. It's not here. Uh, you know, we, we watch WrestleMania, or I watch WrestleMania, and the very last fight is the most important fight it is the fight for the World Heavyweight Championship, and the winner wins a championship belt. And I was thinking about this verse. 
I was thinking about the Toronto Raptors. Sad. Uh, I was thinking about teams and, and people who have won championships, and they have a banner, they have a belt, and they're, they're champions. And this morning, I want to talk to you for a brief, brief amount of time, utilizing as a topic the champion. The champion. And I was reading this verse, and I was thinking about what Paul writes. Thank him for all he has done. And I'm thinking to myself, Paul, in jail probably, writing this. Thank him for all he has done. And I had to think, you know, Paul, he, he could have been a, a rabbi. He could have been, you know, he could have been in a church or in a synagogue teaching the word. So he knew the word very well. He knew everything that God had done. You know, Paul recognizes that God was there with the Israelites as they left Egypt. Paul knows the stories of the Israelites as they marched around Jericho. Knows the stories of the Israel of David uh, of David when he fought a lion, of Daniel in the lion's den. He knows the stories of Yahweh that was fighting on the behalf of these people. That every time the people of God came up against an obstacle, God was on their side. And when God is on your side, you cannot lose. I think Paul recognizes that God is a victor. Dare I say, God is a champion. You know, as we follow God, we follow Jesus, there are times in our life where we have obstacles. There are times in our life where we come up against things that, that cause us some, some consternation. That's a big word I looked up very early this morning. There are times in our life where we come up against things that we can't handle, things that we can't do, things that we cannot overcome. It, it is, it, if there aren't, then maybe we're not living our life the way Jesus wants us to live it, if we're not coming up against obstacles. We should always have obstacles, though, because this world and the way Jesus tells us to live, they don't go together. We should always be encountering some sort of a challenge, We always end up in a situation that put our faith to the test. You can probably think of, of some of those situations right now. Maybe you're going through something right now that, that is, that's causing, causing you some tough times, some anxious moments. You know, Jesus promised that there would be troubles. He promised that there would be trials. Being a follower of Jesus is different. It's not something we can do one day a week. It's something we have to do every day. It's a daily thing. You know, it's a daily pursuit. And if we're following him, we're trying to be more and more like him. And the more and more we try to be like him, the more and more we're going to end up in a battle. The more and more we're going to have trials and temptations. We're going to be in battles against tough situations. But we have a God who helps us to fight our battles. As a child of God, we serve a God who is in complete control. Paul writes, thank him for all he has done. You know what he's done before? Is he's given us a victory over things before. You know, we serve a God who, who makes walls come down. He makes the impossible victories possible victories. He makes giants fall. In our lives, we have giants and they have to fall. And the only way that's going to happen is through Jesus Christ. 
Joshua chapter 5, we, we find ourselves with the Israelites, and they were coming up against Jericho, the fortified city of Jericho. And the Israelites were not sure if they were going to be able to take this land. How do you defeat a city that has walls around it? All around it. I don't see how it's possible. Let's read Joshua chapter 6. It says this. The Lord has spoken to Joshua before and told Joshua how the victory is going to come, but we need to read it. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All on the second day, they again marched around the town. Once and returned to the camp, they followed this pattern for six days. But on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. Let's skip down to, yeah, here we are. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. God is so powerful, he makes walls fall down. You know, I don't know if you're going through something right now, and there's a wall built up in your life, and you're trying to fight it, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to make this wall come down? I'm, I'm here to let you know you're not going to be able to do it. Sorry, I have to be the bearer of the truth. You cannot do it. But there is a God who can do it. There is a God who makes walls fall down. In our lives, we, we, we've gone through situations, you know, a relationship that's failed or a friendship or a job or something, and we've built up a hardness and a callousness and a wall. I'm kind of semi-famous for maybe holding a grudge every now and then. Every now and then, I might, I have such a great memory when you've wronged me. Um, I don't know if you're like me. Listen, sometimes it's honest hour when I'm preaching. I, sorry, guys. I kind of have a tendency to remember. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're not. But the only way those walls come down is if we allow Jesus to change our lives and change our heart. Maybe there's a hardness towards someone, a family member, a friend. The only way that'll change is if we allow Jesus to, to do that, make walls come down. Hebrews 11, verse 30, it says this, it says it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It is by faith that the walls will come crashing down in our lives. When we trust God and we say, God, help me, God says, okay, here's how I'm going to help you. You need to go to that person. It isn't easy for walls to come down, but they do come down with Jesus. I need someone else to tell me, who can make walls fall down like that? Can Buddha do that? No, I didn't, I didn't think he could. He'd probably tell you to just reincar reincarnate yourself as a butterfly or something. I don't think Vishnu could do that. Don't think that, that Vishnu could make walls fall down. There's only one God that could make walls fall down, and that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That, he's the God that can make that happen. The people of Israel had the Lord on their side, and they had seen this before. See, Jesus, in this time, God made the walls of Jericho come down, but before, God made walls of water come up so the Israelites could pass through. 
and escape the Egyptians. And now in their obedience, God makes walls fall down so they can have the victory. When we see the battle of Jericho, we see the faith of the Israelites to trust in God's plan. And also we see this, that in every situation, God is in control. See, I I like to think when Paul writes, thank him for all he's done, it's a reminder that God is in control. See, we serve a great God. There are no walls that are too high for him. There There isn't anything that can make him lose control. You know, he stands above every wall. He towers over it. God is always in control. You know, sometimes we feel like we lack. Sometimes we feel like we're inadequate. You know, I feel like that whenever I preach. I feel like I'm not worthy enough to actually speak from the Word of God. I'm not worthy enough to bring forth a message. And every time I write a message, I feel the weight of it. It doesn't matter if it's for teenagers, for young adults, for adults, for seniors. It doesn't matter. I feel the weight of it. God, I'm not good enough to do this. There's got to be someone better than me. And then I remember that God has appointed each and every one of us for such a time as this. And that he has given us the tools to do what he's called us to do. God is good as we are faithful, no? God is good as we are, we are faithful. Uh, Pastor Jeff just sent me a message. He said, thank you, SPC. So just letting you guys know. You know, when we, when we feel that we're not equipped, we have to remember that the one who equips us knows what we need. It's like when we look at the story of Gideon. Remember Gideon? He's a judge God raised up. You know, they were coming up against the army of Midian. And God told Gideon that he had too many men. Um, you know, he started with an army of 332,000. That's what the scholars believe. And God says, nah, that, that's not good enough. And through process of elimination, Gideon uh, was left with an army of 300. There's no way that a man with an army of 300 is going to defeat a massive army like Gideon, or like Midian, sorry. You know, that would be like me trying to fight, I don't know, Hulk Hogan. Sorry, picked a person. I mean, I'm not big enough. Look at me, guys. I'm kind of scrawny. I'm also out of shape, kind of chunky a little. There's no, po- there's no possible way, right? Imagine if I called Conor McGregor and be like, yo, it's for us to fight. <laughs> like, you all would be ready for my funeral because that wouldn't work out. But Gideon's obedience to the true commander-in-chief, the Israelites were able to defeat the Midianites. I believe I have a verse for that. Do I have a, do I have a slide for that? Oh, it's right there. Oh, you're the best. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. You know what kind of faith you need to, to only go into battle with 300 men? You know what kind of, uh, of trust you need to go into battle with only 300 men? I'd have been like, uh, listen, God, I know that you literally are in control of everything, uh, but you see the size of that army? You expect me to take 300 men? And these aren't even the biggest 300 dudes. I don't know. 
But Gideon falls. Here's what happens as Gideon is with the men and they go down to fight the, the army of Midian. They go to their camp. And we'll read this verse. Uh, show me the next verse, please. Right here, where Gideon and the army of, of Israel, they are surrounding the camp. They, they're around and God has told them, listen, you need to make noise. You need to shout because I've given you the victory. There we go. He divided 300 men into three groups. I'm sorry, that was my fault. And gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said, keep your eyes on me and when I come to the edge of the camp, just do, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hand. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as, uh, I'm not even going to try to say that word, near Zerera and to the border, oh man, of Abel Mehola near Tabith. Wow, you want an exercise in learning to read. My goodness. Here we have Gideon, the 300 men, and the army of Midian was so messed up, they couldn't even, they didn't even know who to fight. They were just fighting each other because the battle was already given to Gideon because God was on their side. When we're faced with an impossible situation, God makes the impossible possible. Walls fall down, armies are beaten, and the weak become strong. You know, Hudson Taylor, who's a great missionary to China, he wrote this letter, and he said this in the letter he wrote, he only had about 87 cents in his pocket. He was down, this is all he had left, and he sends this letter, and he writes, we have this, referring to the 87 cents, and all the promises of God. God has made so many promises to us that we don't need to try to fight these battles on our own. He's promised he'll fight them on our behalf. I don't know if you're sensing this, this theme this morning, but if you're not, let me tell you that the God we serve is unstoppable. When we need Him, when His people need Him, He is there. He may not come when you want Him, but He'll be there right on time. When we as His people are in an unfavorable position, He turns it around. He breaks down walls he makes the small, he makes them big. And he slays giants. Slays giants. We all know the story. I don't even have to, I will give you a reference, but we all know the story of David and Goliath. Right? Even people who don't believe in God will always use an analogy. Oh, it's David versus Goliath. Well, where did you get that from? The Bible. But the Bible's not real. But, oh, but, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, sorry, I... This is what happens when I leave my notes. No, you know, David and Goliath. David uh, should not have been able to slay a Philistine giant. David should not 
have been able to go up against this giant of a man. I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's read this. As David moved closer to attack, David ran quickly. David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed, David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. You know, David defeating Goliath, Gideon leading an army to defeat the Midianites, walls of Jericho falling down. When I, when I read those stories, I think Paul writes, thank him for all he's done. And as I was reading through those stories, I noticed something in each of them. Joshua chapter 6, verse 16, it says this, The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people to... Yeah, yeah, sorry, I meant to explain that. The red is for you guys. Or, sorry, my, my bad. I, you know what I'm trying to do is not have you talk to your neighbor today, but I still want you to participate with me, right? So, um, so look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, uh, the red is for you. The red is for you, all right? Here we go. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, for the Lord has given you the town. Let me read, let's read Judges chapter 7, verse 20. Here we go, Gideon again. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Let me read to you what David says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead body. Wow, this is actually very violent. Then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Whatever giant you are facing, whatever wall is in your way, whatever uh, army is against you, let me tell you something. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. The Israelites, they shouted in victory before the wall fell. The Israelites, they shouted in victory before taking the Midianites, and David gave God praise before Goliath was defeated. And that leads me to believe something here. That before victory can come, your mouth has to be open. You see, before walls fall down, you need to start giving God some more praise. Oh, there must be something about praising God in the natural. That I'm getting a little too Pentecostal here, sorry. There must be something about praising God in the natural that affects the supernatural. Oh, 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 oh. How can I be silent when praise is the breakthrough? This is why Paul wants us to thank him for all he has done. You, don't th- you can't thank somebody in your mind. If I go up to, to Stephanie and say, like, Steph is not going to know that I'm thanking her. All right. If I go up to Jamie and be like, hey, 
She's not going to know that I'm thanking her for making me dinner. That doesn't make sense. The only way you can thank somebody is by opening your... So when we're thanking God and we're praising God for a victory that's about to come, you can't do it in here. It has to come out through your... Oh, so that's why when we come into church and we sing, we are here for you, we can't sing it up here because guess what? you got to be able to shout it. Oh, Paul, I get it. Thank him for all he has done. Give worship to God for all he has done. You see, when we thank him for what he's done before, we're reminding ourselves that he is the same God yesterday. He is going to be the same God today, and he's going to be the same God forevermore. Oh, I get it, Paul. I get it. I get it. There's a connection between our voices and praise and worship and our God going to battle. When we step out of the way and we are obedient and allow Jesus to fight on our behalf, we're giving him honor and praise. We're shouting, for we have the victory. When Jesus fights our battles, we are victors and not victims. We are overcomers. You might be here saying, I have a huge obstacle in my way. Pastor Stefan, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I know my God who is the overcomer. My God is the victor. My God is the champion of heaven and of earth. Last time, I I believe I told you that our God is a king. Well, he's also a champion. Uh, He's an undefeated champion. There is no enemy that he cannot vanquish. And let me tell you the greatest victory of all is that Jesus came down to earth and he went to a cross called Calvary. And not only did he... Not only did he... Let me say this better. He defeated death. He defeated death. The ultimate defeat. Let me tell you what a champion is. A champion is someone who has defeated all rivals... But then as I was reading, I was like, okay, champion, champion, someone who's defeated all rivals. All right, and the Lord was like, hey, keep reading, scroll down, because, you know, I use a computer. Um, Scroll down. I was like, why am I scrolling, God? This is a conversation I have with God. We literally go back and forth. And then I got to the synonyms, like, oh, this is why you're God. You know better. A synonym is a word that's sort of like the word. And I was looking at them, I was like, whoa. A champion. Another word for a champion? Winner. Another word for a champion? Victor. And then here are the words that sort of pointed me right back to God. A defender. A protector. Our God is a winner, he's a victor, but he defends us and he protects us. I believe Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says it all. O sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Worship team, you can join me on stage. I love the fact that we serve a God who will defend us. Love the fact that we serve a God who will never leave us or or forsake us. You know, if you're here this morning and you're going through something, You've been fighting, and you're tired of fighting. Well, there is a God who wants to fight on your behalf and give you the victory and protect you and defend you, and his name is Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. 
If you're here and you've got, you need a breakthrough, you need something, here's what I want. I, I want first to give you an invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your heart. Make him the king of your heart. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never said, God, I want you to be in control of everything. I want to give you that invitation first. If you're here and you've said, I'm tired of fighting. Every time I fight, I lose. Allow me to introduce you to a winner. His name is Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you've been fighting it for so long. Well, it's time to stop the fighting. It's time for you to make Jesus the Lord and save your life. If that's you this morning, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending, for dying on the cross for me. I admit I'm a sinner and I admit that I need a Savior. And I believe that you died for my sin and rose from the dead three days later. Be the king of my heart today. Be my champion. Be my Lord. Be my defender and my protector. And from this day on, I am saved.